Welcome back, Rebels. Hello. Your network is your net worth. Nice one, David. That was a wonderful quote you just whacked out there. Uh, <laughs> well, look, you just you really put me on the spot because normally I'm the one in control and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do whatever. And you were like, let's talk about networking. And then I didn't have a, a bit to go into it. So that I was literally like, but your network is your net worth is, is quite a good, I mean, it's a cliche and people are, people does, it does get used all over the place, but I do like it. It's yeah, true. I think there's nothing wrong with a good cliche. I think they're there for a reason because if obviously they do a thing well and they've done it well for a long time. Um, I think it's just when things get overused that people start to like them less, but it doesn't mean there's any less value to it. Yeah, I suppose the the overriding thought for people is that your network is your net worth. Yes, this is true. But all people that have a high net worth have this circle of friends that, of course, they all know each other because, yeah. of course, they do. And I don't think that people realise that, like, maybe they didn't know each other since birth. Yeah. And for a lot of people, these are new relationships that have been I think made. that's one really interesting thing that's come out of just doing this podcast and, like, the different people we've had on. And then you realise, oh, this person knows this person and this person knows this person. And there's actually kind of, like, a relatively small group of people who seem to feature on podcasts and have written books and everyone kind of knows everyone within those circles. And I think one thing that I've really kind of found, especially over the lockdown period where you haven't been able to go out and network, is how important networking has been. And I think what is really interesting, what's really important to think of is like ask yourself, how many people have you networked with since March when we went into lockdown over in the UK? Yeah, obviously lockdown has affected the entire world. So th- I, I think that's really opened things up of I mean I've got a zoom call next week with an artist from LA and really that we just wouldn't be looking to do that I don't think six months ago so whatever you want to say about pandemic in terms of networking it has opened up the opportunities it's just just like us getting so much more comfortable with the method of doing it because before networking like had to be in mm-hmm. person it was like oh do you want to meet up for a coffee is like was a, in a, was an acceptable thing but if you'd said do you want to skype because it would have been skype not zoom people would have gone no that's weird and that's just not weird yeah. anymore and i like i really hope that that continues through like when we are back and able to have coffees it's much easier for me to sit in my living room do the 15 minutes like that rather than get up get dressed go to the thing and then you've lost an hour yeah, and a half 100 especially as london's so big like to get from from one place to another can take an hour sometimes so yeah to actually physically go for coffee unless you like you don't drink coffee and you don't drink alcohol so those two ideas just seem like a complete waste of time. Um, and I suppose like if I do really fancy a coffee and someone lives close from now on, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to go and meet them in person once the world gets a bit more normal again. But I think what is so great that has come out of it is the fact that since March, I've networked with so many people online who could be so beneficial in the future. And I feel like I've made lots of friends over lockdown. And I think what is great about doing it online as well is because you know who that person is before you go into the room. Whereas if you go to a networking event, you've no idea who's in that room. And it's almost like you're going from one to, it's almost like putting flyers like through someone's door. It's like you don't know who's in that house. Whereas it's almost like we've taken the data approach and we've looked at exactly who a person is that we, we kind of know in advance that we're going to have some kind of interest. Well, it's like online dating, isn't yeah. it? It's like you before you would go to a bar, go, well, that person looks attractive let me talk to them and whereas or let me just watch them from across <laughs> the room um and 
Whereas now it's like you've you've got their profile on whatever app and you're just like, okay, this person likes cats, I like cats, then maybe maybe we've got more in common than just cats and you can go from there. But at least you have certain things to begin with that you that you have in common and it's it's exactly the same on LinkedIn it's like I'm not going to contact someone who is in a completely different industry to me I mean I do have connections that are in completely different industries because the creativity is the is the kind of connecting factor there but but really I'm I'm not going to actively go looking at people in the automotive industry yeah. for example whereas I am going to be connecting with podcasters or or artists or uh, managers like liaison like people like that so I think what I want to say to people listening to this is like really ask yourself how much networking have you done this year obviously you haven't been to a networking events because they haven't happened so what have you done to network and if you haven't what can you do going forward because i think the world is a very different place now to what it was eight months ago and i think going forward the idea of a zoom coffee is a much more normal thing so i think to connect with people that you don't know to make friends with people in your industry is a really really important thing to do and i think this applies to both people who have their own business their own kind of creative practice or people who work for another company like if you work if you're employed by someone and you're happy doing that and you want to stay doing that, think about, well, what jobs might you get in future? What might you move on to? And I think if you can build friends and relationships within your industry, then if you decide to leave where you are now and you've got a friend who works at this other company, you might be able to say like, oh, do you know if there's any vacancies coming out soon? Because often the only way to know if there's a job going is to look at a job site and then see what is actually posted on there. But more often than not, People have an idea of, oh, well, we might employ someone or we're looking to employ someone soon. We just haven't got around to actually putting that ad up yet. So if you can get in there and make friends and form a relationship with people before that's even happened, then there could be an amazing potential job there just because you've gone and made friends with someone. Yeah, I will go back to, I I do believe I've said this on the podcast before, but it's important to get the point over. Everything that happens on this planet is down to other people. And whatever your hopes, dreams, aspirations are, there is someone in the world who can facilitate that for you. So it's like, it is possible for us to get Will Smith on the podcast. It's going to be a long journey of meeting this person who introduces us to this person. Then we get this guest, which allows us to get that guest. But it's like, that's a possible thing that could happen. So what you need to do is just realize that everything that's going to happen to you in your life, whether it's someone buying one of your paintings, employing you to speak, um, commissioning a, a article from you, whatever it is, that that is all going to be another human that says yes or no, that can make your dreams come true. And maybe you don't know those right people yet, but it is a ladder and you do gradually, you do gradually step, step up that ladder. And I mean, there's nothing to stop you from starting a podcast. We started from zero. No one knew who we were. Emma Gannon didn't know who we were. It was a cold email. We just started it. And now we've got, like, we're nearly two years in. We've got a backlog of over 100 guests that at some point, if we need something, we won't feel weird for going to asking them because we have some sort of relationship. Some people, like, you have them on the show and you just fall in love with them and you're just like, well, I'm going to help you with whatever you need and and you stay in contact. Some people, like, they plug their book and then you don't see them again. But it's like, 
that that connection is still there it's still now when we go to them it's not a cold open so start a podcast start a newsletter like add add people on instagram like you don't have to have thirty thousand followers on instagram you need a thousand true fans you need a thousand people who are connecting and and inspired by what you do and you're inspired by what they i think do. what you can do as well is like we often talk about kind of having a plan for the future and then like working towards that and i think what would be good to do is like when you think of your future self think what kind of people are they hanging around what kind of connections do those does that future version of you have because if this future version of you has a mate who's a great videographer has someone who's an awesome screen printer has got all these connections in these different places think about that person who they're connected with and then try and connect with them now yeah something really interesting happened to me the other day i um applied to be verified on instagram Mm -hmm. so i went through to the settings and it says apply for verification you upload your passport send it off blah 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 and they're like oh we'll let you know and because my my account's like grown so quickly and hugely that i was just like okay let me let me try and get the blue tick I got a notification through the other day saying your profile does not meet the standards needed for Instagram to verify you. And after I got over feeling butthurt about it, I was sort of thinking about it and was like, it's not that my profile doesn't meet the standards, it's that I don't meet the standards. Like I'm I'm not there yet. And it was just such a like refreshing thing of like, I need to prove to Instagram, I need to prove to the world, like I like who am I to be applying to them i need to get to the stage where it's undeniable where they're knocking on my door and they're going here have this blue tick because obviously you are who you say you are you're a figure of interest and that was really interesting to me of like you you like i do not meet the standards yet so that's something to aspire for is to get to that stage and it's like you may not know the right people yet what are you going to do like they don't owe you their friendship they don't owe you verifying you in the real world by giving you their seal of approval or working with you or whatever it might be. So what can you do to earn that, to get to the stage where it's like, yeah, obviously I'm going to be friends with you. It's like, I, I followed someone recently who I was like, I wonder if they'll follow me back and they didn't. And I thought, okay, well, it just means you're not, you're not there yet. And then about six weeks later, they followed me and I was like, okay. Cause I knew that I was hitting yeah, their radar. Yeah, yeah. Cause I knew that, like I'd go to certain accounts that had shared my work and I'd see that that person followed that account. I was like, "Mm, you must be seeing my stuff. Like, and then eventually I did get the follow and it's just like, it's earning, earning your stripes, like earning these positions. They're not, we're not owed anything. Mm -hmm. We have to earn it ourselves. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you're not owed anything and we're not special. We're not the special, like we are, we're not the center of the world. Like we've, to us, it seems like we are, we're just one of many. And yeah you do have to earn it and looking at ways and I think what you were saying there about you haven't earned it yet and you kind of need to work out how to do that it's like if you want a blue tick it's like well what do people with blue ticks have what have they done and then it's like well actually you can kind of break it down it's relatively simple if you're an author if you're a musician if you've done anything where you've kind of put your name out into the world on a product in some way that's your voice saying that that's generally what people with blue ticks have because you get some people who've got 100 followers who might have a blue tick because they're on spotify because they've got a wikipedia page about them what attributes do i need to be able to get that future and then work towards getting that future yeah 100 percent you you mentioned earlier about um, me not drinking coffee and not drinking alcohol and it's it's one of the very the very many reasons 
that I am a hard person to be friends with. <laughs> and I've been thinking about this a lot. Me? I, I mean, I, I know it's <laughs> I know it's funny, but I, but it's like it is really true. Like I am a, a difficult person, and I I really understand that. And just the fact that that when people go, oh, like we're going for a drink, I'm like, okay, I'm out. It's like that doesn't endear me to people and I like so I am difficult to make friends with um but and I'm really picky about who I choose to be friends with as well and who I choose to spend my time with and this week's guest um is one of the few people that I've met in like recent history that I just became like fast friends with and he's the person that I'll call if I have like a career question um about something art-based that I'm like okay should I take this brand partnership or like what do you think about this or I like I all I use him as a sounding board um and he, and he's a person that like continuously inspires me and I'm and I'm pretty sure I do the same back to him yeah. so um he mentions in this episode about about top top shelf friends and to to loop back to what you were saying about networking I think it's it's when you get those top shelf people around you you just become so powerful 100%. because you've got you've got backup, you've got troops behind you. Yeah, and I think as well, it's like as soon as you've got those top shelf friends, as you'll find out in this episode what those are, you become like that and you get the confidence that, okay, this is who I'm surrounded by and that means that's who I am. I'm, I fit in with this group and it just gives you the confidence mm. to go forward and then once you've got a couple of these friends, then it's like, well, I'm not, like, there's no imposter syndrome now I feel like I'm actually part of this and then you can get more and more and more and I think as you grow those relationships as you grow those friends and you get more confident in getting more friends it's just this cycle that just like really escalates and just gives you so much confidence going forward you mentioned earlier about asking the listener what have you done to network and you did sound like a bit of an angry dad but um <laughs> one thing that people can do is that they can show up to Access on Tuesday, December the 8th at 6pm. Yes, you can. If you've done nothing this year, the least you can do is turn up on December the 8th at 6pm. Um, if you haven't signed up already, you can go to creativerebels.co forward slash access. And before the event, we'll send you over a link for exclusive access. Yes, it's a Zoom hangout uh, where you can network with other like-minded creatives and it will be a blast. Definitely. So let's get into this week's episode. Yes, this week's guest is my buddy, 45RPM. 45RPM is a designer, illustrator and artist. He has worked for some of the biggest brands in the world and is consistently working on personal projects alongside his brand work. He takes inspiration from everywhere and taps into his creativity by getting obsessed with various niches, which then go on to inform his practice. In this episode, we talk about inspiration, obsessions and having work stolen. Have you had stuff stolen? Uh, yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, loads of times, yeah. How'd you deal with that? Just draw something else, yeah. 45 RPM, welcome to the show. Yeah, pleasure, man. Really nice to be here. How you doing, dude? Yeah, yeah, genuinely, yeah, really, really good. Like, I think uh, lockdown for, you know, someone who isn't creative might be insanely stressful to, like, find things to do, but anyone with a creative brain has got, you know, man, my to-do lists are endless, so to actually have the joy of being able to tick off something I might have written down two years ago that's nonsense is like a total pleasure, yeah. I really love like looking at how your lockdown is like ring-fenced because you've every single piece that you produced during that time was 
either like experimentation that was working towards a final piece, but everything went towards this show and you've just released like originals and prints through like a really like well-known street art producing print company. And and so you can look at your lockdown and like not only is there like a body of work, but there's also like cash generated from it. And it's just like this tick list of success, like lockdown done. Yeah, I, like, I want to say that I believe in good luck. I think I'm genuinely lucky, but I think that might be bullshit. I think it's just hard work. I think like luck comes from... Do you know what I mean? So in my head, I go like, oh man, I'm so lucky. Yeah. I can't believe this happened. But that's just total nonsense. It's like years and years and years and years of putting in work and drawing every day and literally, you know, to like insane levels of doing stuff. So then stuff obviously happens. But because I'm a bit of a numpty, I just go, well, it's just good luck and keep going. And that's exactly what's happened with this whole lockdown. Is I, I just, you know, right, there's a national wide lockdown instantly straight online buy canvases buy paint buy loads of stuff from a to-do list paint non-stop do you know what I mean like make really good food like oh doing all the other stuff but I just happen to be you know doing loads of paint you know like I'm gonna make whatever some meal I've wanted to make from scratch I'm gonna like do something in my house like redecorate a wall but then part of that process was painting obviously as well to break up my days and then you know, randomly got the email saying, would you be interested in doing doing a show that happened to be at the end of lockdown? So it just all fell into place perfectly. But yeah, I would have done all of that anyway. And it would all just be sitting in my house because, you know, if you've got the pleasure of being given the time and you've got the ideas, just do it. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who doesn't think they have the time to be able to put into something like that? Because there are obviously a lot of people out there who a kind of working kind of normal jobs or just think their life's too busy to be able to find the time to be creative like what would you say to them you just got to make yourself do it i just did two weeks on a building site painting um you know murals that i won't show anyone because the pay was pretty good and it was with two good mates so we got to hang out and you know spend some good time together but then a massive design job came through at the same time that was like the dream scenario and it literally, I turned up on site and then the email dropped saying, we need this by end of play. But it was in America, the deadline for the design job. So I literally just did a full day on a building site and then got in, made some food for my missus to be like a good guy. I've got a new baby. So I looked after the baby for an hour before it went to bed. And then I just started a day's design. Like, so I literally would just go into another room and then I did a full day's design went to sleep for a few hours, went to site and just did that on repeat because I had to, because there was no choice mm -hmm. in the matter. And it's amazing what you can do. Like, And I, I was like, man, I'm knackered. There's no way I'm going to be able to walk into a room after doing that and then be able to come up with ideas and be creative. But I had to, so it all worked. And it made yeah. it really made me think of like how much time I waste. You know, I'm a pretty busy person anyway, but... Like genuinely like, man, it's pretty, obviously it would have destroyed me if I kept that up for months and months and months. But I did two weeks of, yeah, just did that every night. We had one day off a week, but then I had to be like a dad and a, and a boyfriend. And uh, yeah. it was just, it blew my mind of maybe what it's like to be like, I don't know, like someone famous who's like an entrepreneur who, I was going to say Puff Daddy, but that's a really bad example. 
But you know what I'm saying? Like someone who's like endless stuff being dropped at their feet and trying to keep up with things. It is mad what you can achieve. And, and like genuinely the design work that I knocked out, I'm really pleased with. And mm-hmm. maybe I wasn't the best on site. <laughs> I might have been a bit sleepy and needed a lot of coffee, but I still worked hard. Do you know what I mean? I still, I still yeah. did the job. I feel like with a lot of people, it's like that deadline was what I needed. Mm-hmm. And then telling a mate about it, I was saying, you know, if you genuinely worked your shift at work and then came in and had that little break with your missus, keeps everyone happy, it's, it's good for your brain, but then put yourself in another room for like a, an allotted amount of time. So you're like, I am going to bed at this time because you need to wind down, you need to sleep. That's a million times more important than people like, you know, take for granted. But do maybe two hours where you're working on this design that you've got in your head like you have a deadline. I think people will be amazed at what they can do. Like just if you went, right, you've got to come up with a T-shirt design and you've got to send it to me as a mate tomorrow, like I'm a company. They do something in two hours. You know, that has to be finished. You have to send it to me as you can live chase it as a vector, but I want it like I'm a company they do something. Yeah, I think like self-imposed deadlines are so important. And it's that, it is that giving yourself the time every single day or allocating certain amounts of time in your life to stuff, even if, yeah, it's not for a, a real project. It is just because you've just told yourself, I'm going to achieve this. It's like, as putting this podcast out, like we do it every week and there's the things that we do every single week. And we've not got a boss. No one's like telling us that we have to go and do this. But we've put these own deadlines on ourselves of like, this is when I have to get the episode to David. This is when we record the intro. This is when it's edited by. This is when it goes live. This is when I'm going to put like all these things happen because we've put that on ourselves. Like no one's gone and said, you have to do this. There's no one out there being like, this is a deadline. Otherwise, we're not going to pay you. It's like all completely self-imposed. And I think yeah setting that time in your life like it's only you to blame if that thing if that stuff doesn't happen it reminds me of that quote that's um the the amateur creates um when when inspiration hits and the professional creates when they have to it's so it's so important and that's the same where you doing this with a podcast will mean that you'll get home and like your missus might be like oh i'm tired let's just cook a pizza but you'd go like no actually i'm all right i'm gonna cook it, it like it, it weirdly gets into your head as soon as you're motivated in one aspect of your life everything else falls into place so now I just I don't know that that side of me that I, I had for years and years which would just be like oh, I'll do it tomorrow I just don't do that now I just straight away click into I know if I get it done I feel happier and then it's done and then I'll feel good and then I'll sleep better and it's another thing ticked off yeah. by sort of constantly giving myself these deadlines of like, just do this, send it off, done. Do this, send it off, done. So like, yeah. sitting, you know, if I'm like, right, I'm going to sit down for two hours, I'm just going to draw whatever I want. I try not now to flip between five sketches. I would rather just get this one done. And then if, I don't know, I've got to like go to the post office, someone's email, you know, says, oh, Chase is an invoice. Something that's actually important, that is more important than drawing a snake I can stop drawing <laughs> the snake. But as long, you know, at least I've had that two hours just on that. Like it's a deadline for nothing. Yeah. And it's realising that not all of that work is going to be fun and you're going to have to put yourself through some of the not fun stuff. Like if you've got five sketches on the go, 
that's because you're doing the fun bit on each of those five sketches, like coming up with the concept. If it's like, oh, now I've got to outline everything really carefully, if that's the bit you don't find interesting, but you know you've got to do it, sometimes it's just got to be done, otherwise you've got nothing to show for it. And you've just got like hundreds of pieces of like unfinished work that the world's never going to see and it's not going to push you any further because you're you're never getting through the bit that's hard. Man, I called it the lost years where like it genuinely, if you look at my work, what was I doing like three years ago? Like what was wrong with me? Well, I could draw, but I don't know what I was doing. And it's just that that click has happened where now I don't just draw on a bit of paper and put it on the desk, draw on a bit of paper, and put it on the desk. I mean, it might have been, you know, like... I've like lost years to girlfriends and booze and just being, you know, traveling and being an idiot and stuff. But that's, I think that's me making up excuses. I think I just wasn't mature enough to realize, like give myself these targets and these deadlines and realize it's a lot of it is just me putting off stuff. What was it you think that flicked in you that made you go from kind of the lost years into who you are now? So I, I talked to David about this. I call it top shelf chat where um, my, I like to have, I've got a shelf system in my head and I just slot like mates and people I meet onto those shelves. So I've got mm. really good mates who are like best mates. They're bottom shelf. So I mean, and, they, and I'm, you know, they don't know that, but they are, you know, like I, and I, I, I need to be around top shelf people and a top shelf yeah. person is someone who's like so motivated and pushing me you know, like I could meet someone who's into pottery and if they're like, oh my God, there's this pottery that no one knows about that I'm making a killing on on eBay. Check it out. I'm like traveling all over the country to buy this. Like, I'll be like, what? What are you talking about? That sounds amazing. What pottery? What color? How's it, what does it look like? I'll like feed off that energy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm Googling pottery and, you know, like I've learned something and it's a new knowledge. And then if I'm in a charity shop, I might see that and be able to go, mate, I've got you something, you know, and I've I've like fed off their enthusiasm. And if it was a person who was like, I'm really into pottery and not enthusiastic, I'd be like, you know, nice one, mate, not interested. It's like, Mm. it's just being around that sort of top shelf person who's full of life and energy and fills me with life. Do you know what I mean? It's like they give me another another level in a computer game and being around like then if I meet someone who's an artist and they're on that level and they're like you should do things like this you should do things like that oh man why aren't you using this color or this whatever 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 that like that's it I don't know and I feel like maybe I hung around people who were inspiring me in different ways for years and years and years and then when you, when you find these good people and then you gravitate towards them. So I'll have like, I've got some top shelf people for screen printing, for mm-hmm. filming, for painting walls, for talking about collecting, for talking about records. Do you know what I mean? For, for drinking beers. You know, it's the same thing. So I think, don't think people realise that that is how the world works. And everyone who is listening to this has that. They just don't realise so they've got one person who they know if they want to drink beers with, that's a good night. Or, you know, yeah. like something's going to happen. And then they've got mates who they can just have a beer with and it will be a night they don't remember ever. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And if you just put that equation to everything, so it doesn't matter if someone paints the same style as me and our work looks good together next to each other in a photo. If they don't inspire me and they bring me down and don't, 
you know, like criticize me in a good way or recommend yeah. something, that, that's fine. And there's a time and a place for that. But I want to be with that person who is fueling my fire, who's like making me feel jealous. Who's like, have you seen this guy's Instagram? Have you heard this band? Have you, you know, it's just finding that. And now my time is precious because, you know, like I've got other things that are important in my life and I'm, I'm happier now. I'm not like chasing the itch before I'd be yeah. like, I've got to travel. I've got to, you know, misbehave. I've got to like get photos. I've got to like live this life. But maybe I needed to just find the right people, hang out, you know, go and have a cup of tea with someone who is going to make me go home and check out a gallery, an artist, a band, and like open my mind. So I think if everyone wrote down like like hobbies, drinking, painting, all the things they like, walls, and then wrote down the person who pushes them a little bit, makes them jealous, opens their eyes, and just maybe focused more on those people they would all be, you know, a million times better artists than me. I think that's such brilliant advice. Um, do you ever go out and try and find people, like, if you wrote down, like, a category, you're like, actually, I don't really have any top-shelf people in this area. Do you ever go and look for people, or do they just kind of, like, as you meet them, you decide oh, where they go? You just realise. It would be, like, with photography where, you know, I make an effort of, like, finding my favourite photographer, seeing who they follow, and then try and like, I don't know, one day a week, not look at art and just look at photography, realise what it is they're doing, realise, oh man, I could do this. A really good mate, Nick Scott, who's a real good video editor, everything. We had a mad chat yesterday about like photographing where you live. Like if I look at a picture of like an old factory with like Thatcher out, on it you know like with a miner in front of it i'd go that's an amazing photo that's so beautiful i want it printed on my wall but then i could walk to a rough area of bristol now and there will be like covid is a hoax and you why don't i take a photo of that because in 20 years someone would print that out and go remember that and it, it was he was just saying that leeds where he's from he looks at these old pictures now and he can remember some of them but why yeah. didn't he take the pictures? But it's because he's not, we haven't trained our heads into, into that mode yet. And that's just, that was us look, making ourselves look at photographers, looking at something outside what I do to be influenced. So I was like, right, I'm just going to wander around some rougher areas of Bristol with a film camera and take some photos. And straight away I found like one that slagged off Boris Johnson and one that was anti-COVID. And you know what I mean? Like genuine... Th- what I talked yeah. about, I found one that said like Prince Andrew is a paedophile. You know what I mean? Like stuff that's relevant now that we all know what I'm talking about. But in 20 years, someone might go, who's Prince Andrew? And what was that yeah. all about? But, you know, like it is it, someone was angry enough to go out and write that with a can. You know, like it's a beautiful moment in history. So I just sort of, yeah, find the other thing I'm into. And then like yesterday was photo day. So today now I want to draw more because I didn't draw yesterday. It's like just remembering your other hobbies and then looking to see what people don't just sit on the city and look at what they're doing. You'll be surprised to realize that that is if you're into portraits, go and find somewhere where people hang out that look interesting. Go to like a market, go to a boot fair. Then there you go. You've got some portraits. Do you know what I mean, if I'm into like drawing characters, 
how can I like be inspired outside of that? And then by doing that, I might meet someone who is doing that and then they're on the shelf. But if not, at least I like, I, I went halfway. Yeah. So I might not meet the person, but by doing, looking for the person, I find the thing. Yeah. The most important part is just taking that step outside your door and get get moving rather than, like if you find something or not, it doesn't matter. And I think a lot of people will not do anything because they think, well, I might not meet anyone. Like, what's the chances of meeting someone today? And then, yeah, it might be low, but the odd time when something does happen, I suppose that's where we go back to like the luck. It's like, I always say like, it's not luck, it's probability. If you put yourself in that situation enough times, something good will happen. And luck it might be the first time you go out or it might be the hundredth time you go out but it will happen if you just keep keep going yeah it's like practice makes perfect there's no difference yeah i wanted that photo i walked into that area i found that photograph and that was like that wasn't the weird thing i was looking for when kids draw a goalpost on a wall that's the thing i'm yeah. into at the moment of like going to parks and taking photos of that i really like football and i like photography and I like, like, that to me, that ticks, like, loads of boxes. Well, I was like, if I have 10 photos of that from around the country, that's the epitome to me of football. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In its purest form. It's not buying a shirt. It's not watching a game. It's a kid getting, like, their dad's little tub of paint and painting, you know, a goal post badly on a wall. I was like, that's, like, to me, that's gold. Yes. Because that's what football is to most people, isn't it? It's like, it's not like, like football in nothing stadiums. Nothing to do with Premier League or anything. Yeah, yeah. That's only like a few hundred people in the country who are doing that. Whereas actually, yeah, going down the park and putting your jumpers down on the floor to have a kickabout is something that everyone's done at some point. And that's more real and I suppose documents our society a lot more. You know, taking it from the jumpers to when I get a pot of paint, then it doesn't matter if we don't have jumpers. Yeah. And doing it, which in theory is kind of illegal... I don't know, there's so many elements to it that make it, like, beautiful. So I was like, right, I'm going to walk to all the council estates, you know, like, walk into town and pop into all the council estates and see if I can find... There's got to be a wall in one of them with a goalpost on. And then I didn't. I found the COVID hoax graffiti, followed that trail, found a bit more, and that was it. So it's probably... I was out of the house, like, four or five hours. I probably took three photos. I think shots like that, we don't because they're current in our like in our day to day we don't um we don't value them but it's like you saying like the 20 years down the road like it's so interesting there's a photographer i follow um called i think it's rob rob bremner photography and he's putting up all of these pictures from like 2003 2004 that are just these postcards of that time um shopping centers like like high streets loads of high streets of of people in there like from teens to to early 30s like and it and it's just like like wearing track suits and and when if you were there in 2004 it would just be normal everyday life but because that's like 15 years ago you look back on it now and it is different like you can see how fashion has evolved how and it's just this wonderful like little look back at that time and when he was taking those photos, it was not extraordinary at all. But it's on, it only gains that context through time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, we all like looking at pictures of us at school to see, our, like, oh, I had a centre part in undercar. Oh, that was when I was having jail. All of those things. You just got to, like, force yourself to, I don't know, step out, step out of your brain and see it for what it could be. 
So it's just all of that is top shelf. Yeah. So like if I find a screen printer and they tell me about techniques, it's probably nothing to do with what I'll ever use, but it might be, or it might be good for someone else, or I'm just inspired to think outside the box a little bit. So they'd go, oh, I'm doing all of this glow in the dark stuff. And I'd be like, maybe I could do that. No, I probably shouldn't. But now I'm thinking about glow in the dark for photography, for painting, for just finding those people. I think it's playing it for the long game, isn't it? It's not like it's realizing that your creative like endeavors, you're going to do it until you're dead. Like that's a really long time. So actually learning little bits now, even if you don't use them now, might be really useful in the future. And it's not just about that instant gratification of like, well, I'm going to learn this thing, do it, put it out. And then that's just a constant cycle. It's that constantly getting things because all the time you'll have, but I think that's where great ideas come from when you've just consumed loads of random things over the years that you haven't used yet. Then you're like, oh, well, I remember that thing and then that thing. And if, and if I put those two things together, actually, that could work really, really well. And I think that's where really interesting things start to happen and why it's so important to really get out of the house, to go and do things, put yourself in as many situations as possible. Because like your brain is so good at storing stuff, like the memories that you, like you might even not remember them, but within your brain somewhere they're there. And it's like your brain will just put those two things together and yeah, create something like unique at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, massively. The video that my mate made for One Time's Run, he had this bit where we were just rambling and you know when you have like a moment of, I was trying to explain my work and then he just dragged something out of me which I didn't realise, which I was saying that it's so important to sketch because my sketchbooks are like Frankensteins because like one page might be 10 very bad characters but it's not, it's 10 good legs and then the next page is 10 good arms and then I put them together. So it, it like, to me, it was like, oh man, that is, that's what I'm doing. I'm over the years, I'm building like a zoo in my head and a yeah. shopping center in my head. So if a client, I don't know, like a coffee company wants me to draw coffee related stuff, that's pretty interesting. But then if like a vacuum cleaner company want me to draw vacuums, you know, it might be all right money and then I can take that money and then I can do my own personal stuff. Wicked. But then all of a sudden I'm drawing vacuum cleaners, which I've never done. But then, bosh, I just, it's like I've got an Argos catalogue in my head. So now I can, there's a vacuum cleaner drawing in there. Yeah. Which then in 100%. like a year's time might be like, oh man, it'd be really funny to do a vacuum cleaner doing this. I just unload yeah. that vacuum cleaner and I can draw a vacuum cleaner. I think that's that's one thing that's always um, struck me about you is I think the reason that you're really creative is because you get your ideas out and it's like it might be a, a tortoise flying a kite or like like you don't allow it to just you don't dismiss it you're like right I've got to get that out, out on the page and it's like um, we were we were living together on a job in um, in the at the beginning of this year over in Holland and it's like whenever we weren't on the job like you were just drawing stupid weird things that were popping into your head and but that's what's what fuels your creativity is because like and and the frankenstein thing i'm guessing that there's no such thing as a bad idea or or it there's no like wasted execution because you'll build from it yeah massively yeah yeah my missus just gets texts where something's popped into my head 
And I'm like, that is gold. It's probably not gold. It might be bronze. <laughs> but it's like, I did, I drew one last night in bed where I, I remembered that I texted her something and then I was like, right, I've just got to draw this. And then I, was, I showed her this morning as like, is this, is this funny? Because this to me is like, I want this on a t-shirt. Mm. It was a, um, I don't like saxophone at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, like God coming from the clouds just going, no. I'm putting his finger <laughs> on the end of a saxophone that someone's playing. And in my head, it was like, yeah, really funny while I was on another job. So I think I just wrote like saxophone God, no, and just sent it to her. So that she'd go, what is this mean? She, go, she replied, are you okay? okay? Yeah, no, she just knows that it, it's me quickly emptying it because I won't remember it. She will. So yeah, I drew that last night. But it might go nowhere. It probably will go nowhere. But it made me laugh. And now I, liked, I was like, oh man, someone, I don't want them just playing a saxophone. They're like really playing saxophone. You know, like someone doing, I don't know, performance art. I can like forgive it a little yeah. bit, but if they're really doing it, you know, like they're showing off loving it too much, jog on. <laughs> but then that's but then that's even if you don't use the saxophone player, you've then you've then like that's a really different character to draw is is someone who's like so immersed in the thing. Like that that guy playing the saxophone, like that could become someone else later doing a completely different thing, but they've still got that passion in their face. It's just fun to draw, yeah, really, you know, like, oh, his legs have got to be in a certain, you know, like, he's really on stage thinking that everyone loves him. It's just good to, like, make my mind figure out what would they look, you know, like, the saxophone is not close to him. It's really far away because they're, like, they're freestyle jazzing. Yeah. Yeah, how do you hold your legs if you're cocky? <laughs> it's like... It's perfect, man. That's important as well. And I think that's where, like, sketching is so useful and like the the world we're in we just kind of we look at instagram and all we see is these final pictures that are perfect and they're great but it is that sketching because it's like by sketching it you realize actually i want his legs to stand in this certain way i i want him to hold it a bit further away because that's adding more to his character and so once you've got those initial sketches down it's like well how can i improve on this how can i add more into this to really like bring it to life yeah yeah massively yeah it's, a, it's how the newest work that I'm doing is. I'm painting clean, but I'm having canvases next to me. So when I'm trying to paint clean, but my brain is saying, you know, like you need to draw a beetle, you need to draw it now. And then I'm like, oh, there's a beetle in my head, but I need to concentrate. I just quickly <laughs> draw a beetle and then I move back to the sensible thing. And then these canvases are like, you know, and then I'm like, right, concentrate. But I'm like, ah, oh, would a beetle's legs be like that or would they be like this? And then I quickly sketch a little bit and I'm building up these abstract, you know, it's basically like my brain on a canvas that now I'm preferring more than the clean work because you, I'm literally seeing how like this madness on paper is perfect. Yeah. And we talk a lot about like how to, how to find your own style. And I think, a lot of people will will go and and i mean it's a perfectly valid way to start in the beginning is like by replicating other artists that you like taking a little bit from this person a little bit from this person but at the end of the day like the way it happens is just through those happy accidents of just of just like brain dump and getting things down and and your style has all like since i've known you your stuff's always been really really clean but then this new work is like it's more messy and it just comes from that experimentation yeah, massively. And so it just looks looks like how 
how I would probably prefer it to look. I don't even know where I went with the clean stuff, but when something's that free and loose and organic, it's, it is like it's just jumped out of someone's head. And I think that if someone was like, oh, here's your favorite artist, do you want to see him painting in his studio? I don't want to see what he's painting. I want to see his studio. And if they said, oh, here's your favorite artist, do you want to see his desk? Oh, I want to see the sketchbook. I want to see in the sketchbook. I want yeah. to see his paintbrushes. You, you want to see the looser, freer, real stuff. And I feel like these canvases is seeing me, you know, like I want to see, I don't want to see someone's best piece. I want to see their first piece and progression pieces and how they got there. So to me, it's, yeah, it's more interesting to see behind the scenes. And maybe these canvases are like seeing my studio, seeing my brain, seeing my sketchbooks. I'm not going to ever do a show where you, it's just pages of my sketchbook. That just probably wouldn't be a thing, but this is pretty close to it. If, I'm, if someone says draw an anteater, first thing I'm going to do is draw 10 anteater faces. And then I'll get distracted and draw tongues and then legs and break it all down. And then when mates see that, they're like, that's kind of better than the finished piece, mate. But I wouldn't put that out. I'd go, yeah, I think so too. But I'm not just going to go to a client here's 10 anteater legs because they yeah. would not pay me. I suppose that it comes down to knowing who your audience is because if the people you're hanging around who are looking at are other creatives, other artists, they're not going to be interested in the final piece. They're, gonna, they're interested in the process because that's what they love doing. They love the process of creating art. Then like when you finished it, it's like, oh, I'm done now. Cool, I'm going to go back to the process again. But I suppose when it comes to a client or maybe like the general public, if they're not creative or arty themselves, they're a bit like, well, why are you just showing me this? Because they're so used to just seeing perf like perfect pictures. Yeah, but it means that if I do a coffee company logo and I'm like, oh man, I've wasted some really good legs on that cup. I can use that leg on this Something abstract else, work. Yeah. So doing like a job for, a, I don't know, a nuts and bolts company then becomes real and artwork and exciting so it's sort of I don't know it's opened up now my vaults of years and years and years and years of nonsense jobs and things that I knew I was doing for a reason and that has pushed my brain you know like no job is bad ever because mm -hmm. every job you learn something amazing from it like every job you know if you're paying me to paint a building pink I'll figure out a better way of painting that I then use in my canvas or I like get bored. So I, you know, I won't dip the roller in the paint as much because I'm lazy. And then I realize, oh, it looks really good when it gets to the dry out stage. I'll use yeah. that in my painting. It's realizing that take, take from everything, work in a coffee shop and just constantly think about how much you can't wait for those two hours you've given yourself for the deadline for this t-shirt that you've made up. Do you know what I mean? So, it's just take, taking the best of every situation and then realising none of it's a waste, man. Yeah, it can all become something. But it's just taken me, whatever, 15 years to realise maybe I should paint this stuff instead of just chucking it in a sketchbook that nobody sees. But I needed that time to realise that. And now I'm at a better stage of painting. It's all It all happens for a reason. And I didn't realise any of this. And I didn't realise I needed the hangout of people. But this is the whole point of this podcast, isn't it? That someone listens to this and might realise now at 20, you know, 
donkey's years ahead of me. Both you and I have a lot to sort of thank in terms of our career for um, from our like years as as graffiti artists. Um, you first started painting in '99. How different was it then to how it is now? Well, when I started painting, it was just painting as a hobby. You know, there was no chance of money or fame or and you know maybe the best you could get into a fanzine maybe but I didn't I didn't think I was anywhere near as good as that so I think it's been a joy and I still think about this now a lot I suppose because no one else was doing it for a career that we never thought that we would be able to because that it there was no precedent for it 100% yeah so I, I now try and I don't want my Instagram to be selling stuff all the time I really think about that so I really want it to be, here's stuff I've done, here's stuff I've done, here's stuff I've done, here's a canvas you could buy, here's stuff I've done, here's stuff I've done, here's a t-shirt you could buy. You know, it's natural to want to make t-shirts and want to paint stuff for sale. You know, it's my life, but it's so important to just go, here's a stupid wall that I did for fun. You know, with just some emulsion I got from Wilco's and, you know, some cans I had hanging around I didn't even go and buy I needed two more blues but I didn't buy them I used what was left over from a rubbish job because I am first a graffiti artist and I want to have fun and I want to remember what it's like to be skin and just be painting because in theory I just want to go and have a pint with a mate but we might as well make it into a day and paint so that we're not in the pub all the time so it seems Um. that's crazy crazy important to just be I am drawing because, like setting a deadline to drawing a t-shirt, that's not a t-shirt. You need to just draw to draw. And if it's all to do with money, which it never was in the beginning, then you've, you've killed your life. Yeah. You've killed How your hobby. You you've killed your, what, you know, what you love. Yeah. How important do you reckon it was for the fact that you couldn't earn money doing it at the start, for the fact you just did it for the love? Because I feel like a lot of people these days will... As soon as they start something, they're like, okay, well, I need to make money from this. This needs to be something that's like bringing me money in. It's fine to have a job and do this as a hobby. That's totally fine. It's what all of us are doing, but no one's being honest about it. So like the biggest people are doing cheesy jobs. Like every now and then you see a big person do like a weak little quick Instagram story that you know they're going to delete because that was part of the contract. Like everyone does it. So, I mean, if you got in touch with me tomorrow and said, will you make a PDF brochure for curtains, but I'm going to pay you five grand and it's going to like suck a month of your life, I'd 100% do it. Opened or closed, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because then, then I'll be like, right, I'm going to take, you know, a week off to just draw stupid stuff. Like everyone's doing that, but no one says they're doing it. So if you were working in a coffee shop and you're thinking, I've got to make an embroidered patch of my design to make some money so that I can make it as an artist. I don't think that's the way forward. Or like, I've got to do something so a client hires me to paint a mural. It's not gonna get you work and you're not gonna make that much money off making that embroidered patch to quit your job. It's so much better just to be, I'm gonna draw because this makes me happy because it screams happiness when you see the image and it screams, I want money when you want the money. And I'm fighting that constantly myself of drawing something and thinking that look good on a badge, that look good on a screen print, that look good on a sticker. But number one, don't flood the market with that. And when you do, it genuinely makes you unhappy. I realise that loads when I make stuff. 
in what sense dig let's dig into that a bit more what into just doing stuff for no reason is that that so that's why so you'll see uh, you'll you'll draw something and you'll be like oh that would make a good um pin badge you create it and then you're like oh i just did that because for the sake of it every like all the sketches that i put up constantly would be a good t-shirt or a pin badge or you know look at any post that i put up there'd be people underneath it saying make this into a t-shirt make this into yeah, a yeah. print but it's uh, what do you want me to do make you know i put up what i don't know 150 drawings a year i'm not making 150 t-shirts <laughs> and no one no one wants that like no not even my biggest fan wants that at what stage do you turn it into a product like because there has to be that balance because it's like for me if i love your stuff then it's like if you do occasionally bring out a pin badge, then I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to get that. A, because I want to support you, but B, because I just, I, I want to wear that on my jacket. I think it's a cool badge. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I really, I'm super struggling with it now. Where, like, someone asked me, to, a good, good company asked me to do a t-shirt yesterday, and I said no, like, just no. You know, I, I would rather now like a little independent skate shop that I know who's struggling want a t-shirt and i'll be like wicked yeah you know you give me a little lump of money and you're doing well and that's supporting a scene and just me just bringing out i've got some t-shirts in my shop at the moment that i haven't i don't know i got them printed about probably like three or four months ago and i haven't put them up yet and i don't know why because it's just not as i don't know it just doesn't feel as important in my head i just want to be i want to be a happy creative artist and not just be force feeding you please buy this please buy this because i don't think that's important that's the key is like whenever i chat to you i i understand that you have a very real concept and understanding of what happiness is to you and you're you're very like reluctant to deviate from that path um and i think for for so many people listening to this they're they're gonna their aspiration is going to be for that big brand to come to them and say we want we want you to do a t-shirt i mean you can talk about maybe there's that um the story of the the big sportswear brand that everyone has probably owns a pair of their trainers um not that one the other one and you um created like loads of artwork for them and then they didn't even like credit you in the artwork and stuff like that so i suppose through going through those trials and tribulations you're like actually me working for this independent skate brand who's going to be like thankful grateful that you did this you're helping them like they're going to be so stoked to be repping you like that for you is going to bring more of a sense of happiness than this big brand who's just going to churn it out and then and you you might not get credit and all of the the other shit that comes along with working with that brand and it's i and i guess yeah it just gets broken down into you've worked out more what makes you happy it's just uh years of years of experience and if a big job comes through i don't get excited about it till it's happening do you know what I mean? There's, it, it, it's lots of learning through stuff that's happened. And now if a small brand like, like a skate company is a great example where say like 50 little skate rats who love that company are repping my t-shirt. That's like hundreds of their mates are going to see that and think it's good. That's actually bigger than, I don't know, Nike asking me to do a t-shirt because Nike asked me to do a t-shirt to make Nike look better not to make mm-hmm. me look better. And then they, who's, who's actually looking up who did the t-shirt? Nobody. It's just a mum buying it for their kid. I mean, it goes, in my, it goes in the portfolio and then it gives you some kudos. But once you've done that once, 
it's a pleasure to realize that isn't actually that important anymore. And I always use this, well, I say like Nike saying we do a t-shirt, bosh, it's like being given a beautiful glass of squash. And then the more they talk to you, the more water they're pouring into it. So like, can he change this? Can he change that? So by the end of it, I'm literally doing this dream job and I've got the shittest glass of squash. But a strict, you know, like a good skate brand will go, will you do this design? I'll say, yes, here is the design. It's a, a guy playing a saxophone and God saying no. And they go, wicked. We're going to print it on everything and credit you. And then all these kids are going to be like, man, he's, you know, he's an idiot. Yeah, we'll wear his stuff. We'll support him. We'll follow his Instagram. You know what I mean? You know, give him kudos. That's so much better than this weak, watered down, you know, like, oh, can they, you know, can the character be wearing our trainers? Oh, yeah. Can they be like saying hip hop? No, I don't don't want to do that. (laughs) I literally would rather make, you know, this curtain PDF that you guys are going to hire me to do later. And then, yeah, just draw fun stuff in the evening. I don't want to do, I don't want to water my stuff down. Well, I suppose now you know that and you've kind of set those rules up with what you would do with a skate brand. I think if a bigger brand like a Nike came to you, you would just be like, yes, but only if it's this way. If you don't want to do it that way, then I'm just not going to do it because I don't want that shit squashed. That, that's happened now. But also, I'm saying this because I have done stuff for brands like that. So they are asking me. So that, that's the difference with people listening to this who haven't done it, is that I'm crazy privileged and I know that, that I have, you know done something for the, the bigger brands. So it's in my portfolio. So it's hard for me to say this because I'm saying this in hindsight afterwards. Mm-hmm. But also for people to realise that those jobs probably didn't make me that happy and genuinely don't pay that well. Do you know what I mean? You can get paid a lot more for doing nonsense, a million times more. But you need those in the portfolio and then you get the privilege again. Do you know what, guys? You've asked me to do stuff before. You've seen it. You've seen how much it's sold. You know, can I have a little bit more leeway, please? <laughs> so in hindsight, would you say you need to drink a lot of shit squash to get the good squash? Yeah, you've got to bathe in shit squash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. Like some people, some people are stronger and won't put up with that from the word go. And then still have integrity. And I don't know how much nowadays people are looking at my website to see who I've worked for. Or just looking at my Instagram and seeing fun drawings. So to be honest, I don't know if you need a Adidas and Nike or you know all of those brands in your websites. I think it's probably nonsense. I think it's better just for them to open up my Instagram and go, man, this guy's putting out a lot of good content. They could be on t-shirts or like if a big brand get in touch now, I can say, guys, everything I've put up on my Instagram isn't for anything. It's not on a t-shirt, I haven't sold it, no one owns it. I'm just chucking out really good designs that people are probably going to copy, steal, you know, like whatever, because I don't care because that makes me draw more good stuff. So like you can have it, it can just go out there because I'm full of these ideas every day because my brain's full of nonsense. So have you had stuff stolen? Uh, Yeah, loads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, loads of times. Yeah. How'd you deal with that? Just draw something else. Yeah, I love it because because like it is one thing that me and Adam we like we hear all the time is is oh, I don't want to put it out just in case someone steals it, 
and uh, that's that's the attitude yeah well i'll, I'll just do something else yeah don't, it annoys yeah. me and it's like you know it's, if it's a big person and they're selling loads of stuff it probably annoys me for a little bit but then i just think you know i'll just draw something else then and if you're looking at my stuff to steal that means you're not as good as you think you're, you're saying already you're a step back. Back. yeah yeah so like because i don't need yeah. to do that i'm just going to keep drawing and drawing and drawing and in a year's time i won't like what you stole anyway because i'm getting better because i'm drawing so much so you just have yeah. to like you have to let it go yeah man imagine what it's like being someone like roids i mean he's doing like groundbreaking graffiti constantly you know like and he could stop at any stage he's at and not paint another style again but he doesn't so here, last week he he did two pieces and he could have just stuck the f- the first style he did was like mind blowingly good like you know taking influence from outside of graffiti to a T and then what did he do like three days later he painted another piece it was a totally different style I mean that to me is a true good artist and you you know if he's on that level then what's he going to be doing in ten years time so he's yeah. the sort of person you need to look at and you know, follow their career and be inspired by it. Not someone who's just like, Bosh, I found something, stick with it. Like he'll he'll throw up a painting and I'll go, holy shit, this is like the the newest, maddest stuff. And then I read the caption and it's like TB to 2013. And I'm just like, oh shit. I thought this was like <laughs> yesterday and it was new and groundbreaking and that was, you did that seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, so he's genuinely why, why? like, hi guys, remember what I was doing 10 years ago? Yeah. Oh, and here's something new that I've come up with. But and he knows everyone's going to be nibbling at it and stealing it, and I mean, like, say if someone nibbles from him in London, you know, someone might have a word. But if you're like in Singapore, you can steal that and roll with it for two years with only Singapore people following you and all Singapore brands hiring you. But he he's so on the ball that you know that he's genuinely one of those guys who's like, I'm just going to find something else then. Yeah, the amount of neon I've seen uh, popping up recently. Uh, all of a sudden has been interesting yeah but that's the beauty of what you've done is you've you've done so much of it that it's you so it's not like you know and you've done it in the capital of england (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's that's the way me and me and adam sort of advise to people is like if you're worried about people stealing your idea you have to own that idea so you have to be really prolific with that thing do it over and over again and then there's there's no doubt that it's yours because and and then when someone else does post it it's like i've started getting tagged in things where people are having a little chomp of my work and it's like people see it and they're like oh well i know that that's this guy because that's the guy who does it all the time it really does work like that yeah now i'd hope that if i did a a character you'd know that it was me and if you didn't know i'd done the job Mm -hmm. and that's just by like bombarding your brain Say if someone says, uh, draw something like a worm, yeah, that hasn't got that much about it. I can still see it already. already. Yeah, but that's what I mean. And, and that's not got that much to it. Or like a vacuum cleaner, like I said earlier, I'd still think that you'd go, that, I know who did that, that's an RPM. So then that means I've copyrighted your brain to how I draw stuff. So that's like, you know, like someone who says like, oh, we need some sellotape. And the sellotape people are like sitting in their factory like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not even, yeah. even called sellotape. Like we own sellotape. I want that to be, you know, like I'd like that you know a character is by me. So it doesn't matter if a big brand doesn't... Oh, yeah, do you know what, mate? Sorry, we're not going to put your name on the packaging. You just go, all right, whatever. You know what like, I mean? Like in a year's time, that American kid 
will find my Instagram or like put two and two together from something else I've done. So then I'm going to win in the long term. And I can put you in my portfolio and now next time you ask me, I can say, whoa, 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 yeah, I'm not doing that. He's not holding a ghetto blaster. It's, it's not happening, yeah. At what point did you realise that you were not ever going to have a proper job again? I don't know, because I still do job. <laughs> like if a mate's got a job, you know, say a mate's like, oh, I've been hired to, like these murals that I've been doing on site recently. Yeah, that's not a proper job, mate. Yeah, I suppose it's not a proper job. But it's say, um, <laughs> say like a carpenter mate was like, oh, I'm going to go and, I don't know, build some kitchens in London, but it means we can have some beers in the evening and like listen to podcasts and good banter. It's a week. I'll go and do that. When was when was the point when you realised that you were no longer going to do the nine to five? I like bumbled around jumping back to the nine to five for a bit. But it was just being a baby and not being, you know, having the balls just to like step out my comfort zone because fear is a very good way of being creative. It's nothing better than having a rent hanging over your head or like, I don't know, someone like a missus who's angry with you. You know, like you're not going to quit that coffee shop job and then sit around smoking weed because you're scared so you will work harder than you've ever worked before and you will hammer that to-do list but if you've got the coffee shop job you won't listen to what i just said and do a deadline because i don't know a tv series is on that you want to watch and you'll be like oh i listen to what rpm said tomorrow but if you genuinely walk into the coffee shop and just go i quit it might be a terrible idea but it might be a brilliant idea and for the person who it's a brilliant idea you just needed to do that. I think that's where people really win. As soon as they get in the mindset of, I'm going to have this coffee shop job and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to work on this other thing. As soon as you can put the two together, that's when someone like goes to that next level because it's funding that the thing that's going to drive them onto the next step. It's like to go freelance or to, to do something on your own takes that, it's going to take something to get there because if it was really easy, everyone would just go and do it. So it's realising that you've got to go and put in that slog of working in a shop to get enough money to survive, but then still having it in you to like, like to put the fear into yourself and be like, I just need to do this because I need to get out of this situation. Yeah, fear, man. Yeah. But then from that will come anyone listening to this now who downloads a PDF of like a T-shirt blank and then makes a T-shirt for their favourite brand and then maybe even sends it to them we'll feel so much better and then we'll realise why didn't I do this ages ago and might get some a job from it. That's how easy it is. It's literally as easy as that but 90% of people listening to this won't do that. But the 10% who do are destined to be artists and live off being artists and the 90% might like in five years time go oh maybe I should have done that thing that I listened about. I, I was that guy. Do you know what I mean? But you know, I got distracted by loads of other nonsense. But um, it would be so lovely if more people just do the most obvious, easy things that we're fully telling them is all they need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're listening to this podcast to try and be better creatives. And it's like, well, just maybe just do some of the stuff we're mentioning. <laughs> it's as easy as that. So we talked a lot about motivation and you are obviously really motivated and you've you're like productive and prolific and you're creating all of this work do you ever have 
um, periods where just that's not happening, where you're just in a funk and you don't want to do anything and you sort of get into that that downward spiral of uh, not creating? Yeah, 100%. But I know how it, I know how that works. So I'm fine with it where I don't just draw, I take photos, I paint walls, I collect, I collect, I oh, really like I super collect vintage toys. I really collect records. I go to boot fairs. I hustle stuff on eBay. I, I'm really into classic cars and restaurant, like restoring stuff. I'm into so much stuff. I'm mad into music and digging records. And so I just obsessively jump into something else. So I'll be like, right, I'll go to this record shop where there's loads of records for a quid. And then I'll look for a good record cover. And then I'll find a good record cover. Bing, I'm inspired. Now I want to draw again. Or like I said, I go and take photographs for the day. And then I'm obsessed with photography for a few days and I forget about drawing. But then I'll take photos of, I don't know, some mad homeless guy who's got an amazing bulldog tattoo. I want to draw a bulldog. It's just finding, finding... If you're stuck in a rut, go and have a shower. You know what I mean? If you need to have a good idea, go and have a jog. Go and, like, don't make a coffee. Walk to a coffee shop. Support a little independent coffee shop. Have a coffee. Walk back. Sit on a bench. You know when you see someone in, like, a greasy spoon having a fry-up on their own and you go, oh, man, I wish I had that life of just being relaxed and just having a fry-up on their own and, like, watching the world go by. You can do that. Anyone can do that. And it's good to do it without your partner, without your mates, because then, like, stuff comes into your head and you might have an idea. If not, wicked. You had a little breather. You know, you sat on a park bench, you had a coffee. Like, anything, just do stuff and eventually everything will wake back up again. And if not, just enjoy the other hobby that you've got. That's funny, actually. Like, there's actually a greasy spoon near me, like a little calf that I will just go to on my own, have a fry up and take a notepad and just sit and write stuff. And it is just like a completely different environment to anything else you're normally in. And yeah, just gives you time to just think and be on your own. And it's great. The conversations you hear, there's soup and sandwich in Bristol Town Centre where I go two fried eggs on toast, cup of tea, bosh. And I literally just sit and I reply to emails, open my Instagram, I read the Metro, whatever trash is on the table. And I listen to the madness, the hustle, whatever's going on. And then I literally, it like reset, it's like turning the computer on and off where it, that might be enough, it might not. But then I don't, you know, like forcing your brain sometimes to be creative is brilliant because you set that deadline and you've got to get it done. But sometimes you just have to accept you need to jump into the other thing that you like doing. Like cook a banging meal, look up a good recipe cook a really good meal from scratch because you'll feel amazing you'll make your partner really happy and then while you're doing it listen to a new band that someone told you about because that'll inspire you and open you up and all of a sudden you've like flushed your brain out and then it's ready to start again it's just there is no going into a like a writer's block you it's because you're forcing in yourself as soon as you've refreshed thought about some other stuff been inspired by stuff out of your zone like we've already talked about, you're instantly ready to draw again. You just didn't realise. It's just about, yeah, yeah literally start refreshing yourself in a, an amazing way. If you're, you only draw characters and you never do, you know, you just choose a font that's nice, maybe just get into looking at fonts for a bit. 
If you only draw fonts and you don't draw characters, just look at some characters for a bit. Just copy them. Draw, paint a character that you isn't yours. Like paint Mickey Mouse, but it will give you like color ideas, flow ideas. Like it will, it will make your brain think of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like the other weekend, I was um, I was just like, oh, I just fancy some kind of inspiration, and just like I watched quite a bit of anime, and just like went on, found some random animes that I've never seen before. Just watched the first episode of a few different ones. Uh, and then one of them, I remember thinking, like, I was just looking at the backgrounds, looking at the different art in there. And I was like, oh, actually, that's pretty sick. And then I was, then I bought um, a book that's like 1970s Kung Fu movie posters, which is just like fucking so cool. There's just so much like amazing stuff in there. And I never would have found that book unless I'd gone and just thrown myself into watching these random animes and sent myself on a random little goose chase that's a really 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 good point and it's something that i massively do where if i am lost for inspiration i will find something like uh vintage matchboxes or like uh i don't know 1980s racing bikes like so i'll find a thing like cereal boxes and then uh what did i look at yesterday oh um uh video like vhs rental stickers so like every shop had a sticker that they stuck on the tape so that you knew it was their shop so if it was like a horror video and it was from somewhere in margate it would say margate horror and it, someone rubbish would have drawn a vampire and it'd say horror and they put that sticker <laughs> and someone's collected them and made a book that's 30 quid and i was like that i just i've already written out my list of like i'm gonna buy that and from that will give me 30 ideas Mm -hmm. yeah. but you just said so exactly that if you said like oh man you should see like vintage kung fu posters from hong kong in the 70s and there's an amazing book on um you know this book website for a tenor that's perfect because that will, might give you one idea or it might give you a hundred ideas and you've supported a bookshop and you've got a cool book for yourself you, it's just finding that's exactly the same as leaving the house there's always something that you can dive into that will, you know, blow anime backgrounds for graffiti artists. When, when, when a graffiti artist isn't just doing bubbles and you can tell that they watch, like they read Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? They read something else and you can tell they've stepped outside that comfort zone and there's no rules. You can do whatever you want. So why not like, I don't know, watch Spirited Away and screen grab some of the clouds and paint them? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it, when an artist does that, it's so obvious that they are thinking that little bit further forward. So, yeah, that's a really, really, really good one. If it's a rainy day and you can't leave the house and you can't do your hobbies, buying a good book on something is something so like, I don't know, Russian communist posters. You know, like something mad, yeah. the colours as a type, like somebody just does fonts, just use the colours. Uh, you know, like there's there's ways of using it that you won't have thought of. Just use the colours on one poster for the thing that's totally irrelevant and nothing like that artwork. And then people on your Instagram will be like, man, your colour palette's banging. And you just, you've thought a little bit further than the normal person. And that's, then you'll do that forever. I really like that we that we got the uh, the remedy out there because I, I think we always every everyone we interview it can come across like they are just this like production machine that never stops that never has a bad day and um it is it is great to know that 
that people do have bad days um and but then also like to present the solution of like this is how to to get over it um with you mentioning all of the like sort of different genres there when we were working together in january i knew at some point i was going to interview you so while we were chatting i'd just be making like sneaky little notes of stuff you said and um one thing you said is you're obsessed with other people's obsessions and i think that's that really comes through of like because people just can like i think everyone has to have something to get obsessed with i think that's almost like a human trait that's built into us yeah and whatever they're obsessed with you can turn it into your obsession do you know what i mean i just started getting into knitting patterns because i was talking to someone who was into knitting and then i realized you could buy knitting patterns of pink panther of he-man of so i was like oh man i could get like an amazing jumper of like a weird pink panther character that i didn't know existed but then I was like, why would I make a jumper? I could just make a cushion and then that cushion can be in my studio. Or maybe I could paint that knitting pattern on a canvas. Ding, 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 ding. And that's how my brain works. From just yeah. talking to someone about wool. And then I was like, oh, if there's like a Flintstone jumper, you know the colours are going to be wild. And there'd be a colour reference for the wool to buy. And maybe I design a character and just use that colour reference. Because... Yeah. It's like some 80s wool colours that I never would have thought about. I think that's the the name of this episode will be Inspiration from Everywhere with 45 RPM. It works, man. It really works. So uh, where can people find you online? Uh, probably best places just on Instagram. That's where like I put up my, you know, every couple of days I put up a drawing or something nonsense. But um, yeah, just just Instagram. Every, you know, I've got websites. I've got all of that jazz. But um yeah, that's that's where I feel my most free and it's just me drawing for the love of drawing, which is what I would want. I would want people to like see the representation I think of myself in daily stupid drawings. Yep. And what's your Instagram handle? Um, it is 45RPM what? Boom. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you, dude. That was a pleasure as always. Yeah, nice, man. <laughs>